0: Welcome to Awakening Genius. This is a podcast and community dedicated to your inspiration and your elevation so that you can live fully creatively expressed. I'm your guide Dijon. Thanks for being here. Stay tuned in to get lifted. Before we get started today, I wanted to invite y'all into something very special. If you resonate with this energy that we're expressing here, then this is something that you will probably enjoy. It's an opportunity to deepen with our community and expand your current network of creatives. We now have a program here at Awakening Genius that is designed to help you embody the infinite creative potential that you have. We all have equal amounts of creative possibility living within us and it's our work to embody it and ground it so that we can consciously co-create a world together. Now, some of us don't identify with the label artist, but being an artist is not about whether you express yourself through a specific medium like painting or drawing. Being an artist is the level of presence you hold when you do anything. That's why an original painting is infinitely more valuable than a print because the artist actually interacted with that painting and infused it with their energy and consciousness. Art is an energetic transmission and it's not limited to the things we traditionally think of as art. When your grandmother cooks you a meal and infuses it with love that is artistry in action. So inside of the awakening genius container you learn how to cultivate high vibrational energy into the temple of your body through yogic practices. And then you will practice wielding that energy through creative exercises with community and play shops led by a diverse range of creatives. So you can express your artistry however you choose to. If that sounds intriguing to you and you wanna learn more and you wanna deepen with us, go visit www.awakeninggenius.club The link is also in the show notes, so you can access it there. We're looking forward to building with you, and now let's get into the episode. you know how we guys met it was very synchronistic the whole point of awakening genius is to help you create a clear connection with your higher self and when you do that you experience synchronicities joshua actually lives in the same complex that i live in and we had never met before even though i've been living here almost nine months or so because my business coach is one of his really good friends. And when she was coming up to do some work with me, she was like, oh, I'm staying in this apartment complex. And I was like, that's where I live. (laughs) We didn't, we still didn't meet then, but she just told me about him. She was like, this is my brother. And uh, we were posting photos from our adventures that weekend. And then maybe the next day I walk into the barber shop and he's sitting in there and he's, are you Dijon? (laughs) And I was like, yes. And he was like, I'm Katerina's friend. And. That's just how, like, the universe brought us together. And I was like, all right, I guess we're supposed to Mm -hmm. be connecting and collaborating. And that's just to exemplify how easeful life can be once you do the inner work to create that connection with yourself. So thanks for being here.
1: Yeah. Grateful to have a conversation. Right on. Yeah.
0: Joshua is an entrepreneur, and he specializes in emotional intelligence. But when I was speaking with him before, he said that his excellence is in entrepreneurship, but his genius was in grief and forgiveness work and I, I thought that was really profound, so I just would love to one hear the difference hmm. to you hmm. of genius and I guess hmm. of like mastery or like hmm. excellence, and also how you came to know that you were genius level in dealing with grief and forgiveness.
1: Hmm. Yeah, great question. I think I've been doing a lot of work around business for since college. I studied uh, finance and worked at the Small Business Development Center doing financial business plans and templates. And it's been that way for um, 20 years. So I've been doing a lot of that work, consulting, helping grow companies, individuals. And uh, I think that's where my mind or my ego always saw me wanting was a child. uh, The one thing that My parents were very close and connected, but money was one area that was a little bit missing in the family. And so I think as a child, I thought, oh, I'll save the day. I'll go make a bunch of money and that'll fix things. Mm -hmm. And so at a core level, I think my ego inspired me to learn more business, to fix a problem at home. And that's how I developed a lot of my expertise or my core competency. Mm. As life would have it, I went through a a pretty traumatic experience. I had a, a lot of death but particularly, I was in a startup where I would maxed out credit cards. I was living actually in Manhattan Beach, down by the beach. And I was growing this startup company, and uh, my brother came up for the holidays, and uh, he said, man, I've been, I've been, got into drugs pretty bad, and uh, I'm shooting heroin, I'm shooting needles, and I can't go back to Reno, or I feel like I'm going to die. And uh, he was an alcoholic, and a I ben- uh, get on benders. And I'd moved him in before and I knew what would happen. And so I just said, hey, I can't do it. I'm all in. I got computers all over the living room. I'll try to help you find another spot, but I can't move you in here. And three days later, he went back to Reno and died of an overdose. At the time, I was such a a traditional man, I would say, and not dealing with my emotions and helping everybody else is how I solved it. I didn't really express a lot of emotion. I went and just took care of the funeral, took care of my parents, did the service, and then I came back and worked and just got really, that's how I dealt with it. As I worked hard, we built the company up and uh, did really well and then 2008 hit. So just as it were like breaking seven figures and having multiple six figure months, all of a sudden 2008 hits and it dramatically starts going down and we start fighting and uh, then I figured out my business partner, uh, this, by this point been a year and a half and my girlfriend were hooking up behind my back and I was a little frustrated and uh, hurt and I took off for a weekend to clear my head. And I came back and they packed up a U-Haul full of the business and left and eloped, eloped and moved to Mexico. Wow. So I'm sitting here in this, we moved the place to Arizona to save costs because we were, and I'm sitting in Arizona in this big house all alone with all of our business gone and stuff left. And I remember thinking like, my business is gone. I funded the company, never paid myself back. So I had to go through bankruptcy because it went with the company and my best partner and business friend. Business partner, best friend, because we'd lived together the whole time. I moved him into my house and just shared everything, and then my girlfriend, and we're all gone, every external area. And uh, then I was faced with, oh, I chose this instead of my brother. So that's what really projected my story, and um, I had a lot of guilt and shame for the choice that I made. And as an achiever, uh, I went to go fix it. So I did ayahuasca ceremonies, I did San Pedro ceremonies, I really like, and it was a personal development company. We were in spirituality and it was a sacred geometry company out of all things, so I was already in it. But it took me down another path and studying with shamans and doing a lot of forgiveness work. And that's when I got introduced to forgiveness work and that really was helpful. And I started leading ceremonies at Burning Man, helping people around the temple. This was my 10th year doing that this year. And uh, then I went to go work with Tony Robbins as a speaker and trainer. So I just went, who's the best in the world? I'm gonna, I'm gonna bounce back. And I thought I'd heal my grief. Because Tony's work's all about NLP and peak performance and changing your state to get a result, which is very powerful, interrupting patterns, habits, really helpful, however, I'll get to in a minute what I didn't didn't know what I was doing is I was disassociating myself from my body. Mm. I was using all these tools to not feel my pain, and in doing so I was disassociating from my heart and getting more in my head Mm. to change my state when it didn't feel good to get a result. And I was teaching other people, so I was really embodying this content. And I thought I'd healed my life, I'd rebuilt my life. And five years ago, I got on grief forms. And the reason I say grief is after my brother's death, people would just come to me and say, hey, this person's struggling with death or grief. And so it's always been in my life. I went through 20-something people died when I was in high school, and so I've always been around death. I've had multiple best friends die. Some pretty traumatic things that I had to take care of. and so. I've been always calm in those environments. And, and so people would reach out a lot and I and kept saying, this is your work, why aren't you doing this work? And I kept getting that reflection. Mm-hmm. And I would step into it. I even created a brand at one point called Bring Death to Life. And I was so, like Tony, I was so in my head that I totally disconnected. I created a whole like digital program, three-part program, and I had nobody show up. And it was like, so I kept feeling like a failure. Oh, I go into the work, maybe I'm not supposed to do this work. And then I'd come back and do more business work and uh, grow somebody's company. I've done a lot of the, helping to grow creators' companies. And I got on these grief forums to try to help other people struggling with grief and I quickly learned I didn't have the tools I thought I did. Mm. And grief, it, some things I can just fumble around and figure out, but with grief it was so sensitive and I really cared about these people and I just didn't know how to fumble through it. So I started researching grief and that's when I was like, this is such a messy subject and we've never been taught to deal with it. And it's there's conflicting points of view. One person says you need uh, antidepressants after two weeks and another person says you need nothing. We're naturally resilient and so like there's these extreme points of view from the leading you know researchers in grief and Everything in between so it's I decided to do a documentary So we we took out uh, a business partner and I who also lost his brother to a drug overdose. He lost his older brother I lost my younger brother And they were both Sages and we were both Capricorns in a day apart and I was older than him So it was this very synchronistic experience and we'd met at a conscious life expo a couple years prior, and he'd come out to Burning Man after his brother, and we'd bathed in their ashes and done a very intense, very really deep ceremony around it. So we had this deep, soulful connection. And we set out in the first set of interviews. I interviewed this man, and he's one of the most loving, compassionate men I've ever met. Uh, his name is Ken Druck, and he's a doctor, a therapist, a coach, very credited. And his daughter had died 30 years ago on a studies abroad trip, and 50% of families. Break apart 50% of families jail together when a death happens for him Even though he had these quote-unquote tools and he'd been trained as a doctor to help people It was so painful to him losing his daughter. He had such a deep connection because one of the things about grief is It's not who it is whether it's a dog an animal a cat a person a dream Whatever it is. It's how much we love is the correlation of how much pain we experience when they're gone And so for him his daughter had such a deep connection with him. It just tore him apart and so he'd spent 30 years in pain loving it and going up this hill every day and screaming and yelling and letting the pain out and then then going to the gratitude. Mm. And uh, he introduced this concept with such clarity and embodiment and power of the duality of the broken and the whole. And this concept that we go through life and we love so fully, so deeply, so expansively. And then when that's taken from us, we experience heart, heartbreak. And that heartbreak, the broken heart, is the brokenness. And so much of the work that i had been doing with Tony is so much about you're not broken, you're not broken, you're whole, and resisting any area that I may have felt broken. And I fully subscribed and embodied that. This was a whole new concept of like, where can I accept where I'm broken and whole? And where can I love those areas and accept them? And so after those first set of interviews, I didn't know what was happening, but I unconsciously went into a two-year Facing all the parts of my life that was still in me. Where was there still grief that I hadn't Allowed to love I hadn't allowed to feel so breakups relationships more working around my brother It was messy. I would like to the outside world. I'd be doing okay, and then I'd come home and Didn't know what to do with that heaviness and drink or eat food or watch movies And I just was in it not really knowing what how to navigate And at the end of this two-year period all of a sudden one day I realized I was in peace and I was like, oh wow like, for the first time, I'm feeling more peace with who I am and my body and my soul, whether or not I accomplish any dream or goal, just who I am, versus for years, I kept having to set new goals and dreams and was like chasing this success ladder. And then I would get there and it would feel unfulfilled. And I was like, ah, oh, and then I would, I was constantly externally searching. And so for the first time, learning to go inward and love my wounds, accept them, not try to fix them, just love them, was giving validation and space to the parts of myself that felt broken. And in loving them, they were like, oh. And in that like peace, I came back from my head into my body, into my heart, and felt like I was like thawing. And uh, and was like, okay, I feel free. I really feel free. How do I take what I've done, create a set of frameworks, and walk other people through the process? And Mm -hmm. so that's been, that was two years ago that I set out to create frameworks. And now, fast forward, I've done seven retreats. I've put through close to 50 men and it's taking me, if that makes sense. I've had to have a lot of faith. It's been really hard. So I appreciate the work that you're doing and having people step in to embody that work because it requires a lot of faith and trust. And for me, this work is, now I'm getting called into working with all these first responders and firefighters are getting amazing results. And so now I just spoke to 25 firefighters. I'm going into Laura Melinda Hospital to train ER doctors. So what I'm finding is anybody that deals with trauma never got the tools. So doctors, all first responders, firemen, police officers, all the people that deal with trauma don't have any tools to, uh, tools to deal with it. And uh, so I guess that's the distinction was the expertise is what I taught myself and I forced myself to learn through books and study and crafting, I think, in order to meet my dreams and goals. And genius was what I was given through life and my experiences and what crafted my soul. It's almost like I think our grief is what crafts our souls. Craft. Crafts our, our characters and sculpts our souls. Wow. And I believe that's what it does and that's what gives us the genius. It's just a lot of times we're resisting that. So doing the work to go in and love it is what allowed me to see it and now step more into that and allow it to... So it's so that's the main distinction. Now it's a whole other process in stepping into that. Mm-hmm. Does that answer, answer, help answer the question?
0: Yeah, I think that answers the yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Man, you're a warrior. Uh-huh.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. Thanks for that journey, mm. I can feel parts of it and obviously like mm. me feeling parts of you expressing is not the same mm. thing as you actually feeling it, going through it. Yeah, I just honored mm. your journey and your process mm. and Thank the you. wisdom that you're able to pull from the experience mm. and not only the wisdom but the action you've taken to help other people mm. navigate it.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that. It's, it's interesting, I'm finding in a sense because part of the work around grief is learning to love some things that may not go away and it's mm. a whole different set of tools. And part of what I'm finding is doing this work allows me to be, it gives more of a reason to accept the pain. So it's almost like I'm like, and pain is interesting when I say pain. I think it's just love. It's really love. And I'm missing my brother or missing these things. And you see somebody else's eyes when you can be there with them in these moments of like despair. I just talked to a guy who lost his father and, and he's in it. And most people run. Most people, we don't have the tools. So we don't know quite how to deal with it. We don't know quite what to say. So a lot of people get uncomfortable and. Brings up their own triggers and so you're alone a lot of times when you're going through when you need people the most mm-hmm. nobody knows what to say and to come in and be there so to Walk into a space like that and to hold space with somebody and to be like I see you man And, and I'm with you and it's okay, mm-hmm. and this is what you may feel and they're really Similar to your work is connect them back to their source and their truth and their heart and that whatever their feelings Okay, mm-hmm. and if it takes long time It's okay because a lot of people come in at the beginning and say you need to get over this or they have all their opinions and that's why it gets complicated because they're like, "Why well, I'm feeling this way," and you're telling me I need to, I shouldn't feel this way, and I need to do this. And but just allowing that and being okay with it and recognizing I'm in pain gives them this. Ah, oh, okay. And then how do I speak into that with my kids and my spouse and the people in my life? So I'm not, I'm not isolating, thinking there's something wrong with me, mm-hmm. I'm trying to fix it, disconnecting from my family. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm integrating and saying, "Yeah, this is grief, and I'm in pain, and mm. it's okay if you get sad, and it's okay I'm sad because I lost, miss my dad, and." how do you bring that into the family and use it as a connection tool to speak into it and versus feeling shameful because shame is isolating like outside the group versus clearing shame is speaking into it so how do you speak in and involve them so they learn early on oh when i have when when life when i fall in love and i lose something and i'm sad it's okay there's not something wrong with me i don't need to get over it it's just love it so it's a, it's really been a beautiful journey that i'm finding in Taking it day by day.
0: (laughs) I feel you. Yeah, there's there's just so much power, and I definitely relate to what you're saying about Mm. accepting those Mm. wounded parts and recognizing them, recognizing them as like your teachers. Mm -hmm. I not to compare grief because I was about to downplay my grief, but I've experienced tremendous Mm. grief from Mm. a a twin flame relationship, Mm. and what it opened up for me in the aftermath was. Learning how to love unconditionally mm. because I realized like the separation anxiety that I felt would mm. be so extreme that a lot of times I'd be like, I'm gonna cut her out of my life now. You mm. be like, don't talk to me. And I was like, oh, so I'm only willing to be in loving connection if we're connecting in the way that I want. That's not love. Mm. And I had this really transformative experience when finally i we had stopped following each other on social media and then finally i was like okay i feel like it's been time Mm. enough where i don't have to pretend she doesn't exist or Mm. her life doesn't exist and i saw a picture of her with her new partner on a trip traveling Mm. in peru and i felt happy and the feelings of love like in my body Mm. like in a somatic way and i was like wow that's Mm. i've never experienced that before Mm. and i also remembered One time when we were at her house, like when we were together Mm. and we were practicing playing music and we just had a a toxic relationship at times. So like we were having a hard time connecting and uh, I was like, that's fine. Like we're, I'm helping you start your creative career and, and you'll probably meet some Foreign man that you'll fall in love with later because she was younger than me and you'll go traveling with him through this thing And and I went on this whole very specific thing of what was going to happen And she was like, why would you say that? And I was like, I don't know. It just seems Just I just like thought of it and I'm looking at this picture and I'm like, that's exactly what's happening right now And I was like did I create that or did I prophesize it or I don't know it it doesn't really matter like it's happening the lesson was through the experience, I learned how to love her even though she wasn't relating to me in the way that I like, desired. Mm-hmm. And it just expanded my heart capacity.
1: Mm.
0: And when it expanded my heart capacity, I felt okay with myself and my relationship with myself. And then I wasn't dependent on a connection with someone else to feel whole. And then in that space, I was able to review my relationship with my father in a new way because then I didn't need him to show up in a certain way to offer him that unconditional love. Mm. So then when I came to him, I was like, we've been disconnected my whole life. And I was like, I feel like we are in a situation where we're experiencing a lot of pain. Not like you left me when I was two and you're, mm. you need to apologize, you need to make it right. Cause that's the viewpoint I had been holding, mm. but that was like keeping us from connecting. Mm-hmm. So in that space of like openness and loving without ego, I was able to reconnect with him. Like I didn't differentiate mm. whose fault it was that we were mm. disconnected. So it was like the partner relationship opened up the unconditional love, which brought me to the love without ego. Mm. So it's just all these things helped me master certain ways of being.
1: Which is amazing, and I feel like that's the work. However we find a way to get to it, but truly the compassion, truly being compassionate and accepting. That's a huge pattern, I see that with a lot of men, is like the struggle with the father, and mm. for whatever story, um, holding on to that keeps the space that we're actually wanting. The irony is all of us, I think, are craving deep connection, I think on both sides, yeah. and we don't know quite how to get back, and somebody needs to surrender to the unconditional love and say, I love you unconditionally just the way you are, and you don't have to change, you don't have to do anything, and I'm gonna love you, and then it creates They see that and know how to do it. And they are able to do it back because they see it like, oh, I wanted this all along. (laughs) Oh, I'm loved. I can love you too. And it creates such a beautiful connection. Yeah. So that's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's all about releasing expectations Mm -hmm. and attachments to how people show up. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that's done one time. Mm -mm. It's used to do it over and again. Because even after we connected and we reconnected and reconnected with both my previous partner and my dad. But. I wouldn't say that it's in the way that I would idealize. Mm-hmm. It's in the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Right. So with my dad, he has like the iPhone like 10S or whatever. So he sends a lot of an emojis mm-hmm. and, and like gifts and stuff, mm-hmm. just like about random stuff. And I really don't like receiving gifts. It's just like it makes me feel weird. <laughs> so I like our interactions would be like I'd be like, Hey, you know, thanks for reaching out. Yeah. Uh-huh. I prefer not to receive <laughs> gifts. And and then he'd send a gift in like response to that <laughs> uh-huh. and I'd be like, I said I prefer not to receive gifts, you uh-huh. know. And we have to have these like conversations uh-huh. around like boundaries and uh-huh. in my mind I'm like, Man, I wish I could call my dad to talk about stuff I thought like I think you're supposed to talk to your dad about. I'm having a hard time with this, not like Mm-hmm. I'm getting emojis, mm-hmm. <laughs> but those are, but uh-huh. they're funny. They think sometimes they're funny and that's who he is and like where he's mm-hmm. at and it's just like acceptance. Mm-hmm. So it's true in all of my relationships, is mm-hmm. accepting them as they are and not as I want them to be. I feel like
1: that's really the practice. It's an ongoing practice, but I feel like that's what actually brings fulfillment. And the irony is a lot of times they end up shifting, which I think is really interesting is once we finally let go of who we want them to be, I have two men that were Simultaneously working on that with their father and another good buddy of mine his father died and It And one of the things he said is he's I was able to become a best friend with my father before he died Mm. And it shifted a lot of men because they're like How do I get to there and if he just died unexpectedly if my dad dies unexpectedly? Can I get to the place of being a best friend like where would that be from where I'm at now? How would I close the gap and a lot of them were recognizing it was their expectations of how they had to show up and so it was how do I surrender all expectations love them exactly who they are like they never change mm-hmm. and in doing there Which took time and then expressing feelings. So when th- something happens, just expressing here's how I'm feeling But letting them know they want to get close with them Yeah, and th- they've done it differently but seeing their do- different sides It's been beautiful to watch of one of them even said like his dad's writing him letters in his style and things that he was always trying to get to him to communicate with which he never felt seen, Yeah. all of a sudden his dad sees him so well and is like really trying to communicate. And, and the other one, it's so different, but they'd get in these huge fights, now they're just, and he apologized first. So it's, which would never happen. So again, I think, especially anybody that may be listening that has a tough time with one of their parents, I think this could be a really helpful tool in itself is can you practice not letting them change? Can you practice loving them? <laughs> yeah without them changing, right? just the way they are. If they never change, if they always do this forever, whatever yeah. the pattern is, can you love them unconditionally? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think it's like perfect mirroring for mm-hmm. what you're talking about because your process you were describing was the internal process of accepting all the parts of you, mm-hmm. not trying to change them, just accepting them and then mm-hmm. they can like dissolve. And I'm talking about the external parts, the reflections mm-hmm. and being like, this is how it is, I accept it and I'm grateful and this is what I learned from it, and then it can transform.
1: That's what I'm discovering, because it's still a discovery process is, and that's why I call it emotional intelligence, because it's learning to feel what situations trigger wounds and then going in and loving the wounds without a fix and feeling where they're at in the body Mm -hmm. and identifying it's, oh, they're abandoned, not enough, not loved, whatever the core wounds are, I find skipping the story. So I'm at the gym and somebody is really rude to me or something like that and I notice myself When something <laughs> to happen and my egos mad and then I go. Oh wait feel Pause feel Oh, I got rejected feel that rejection just be with it. Don't try to fix it mm-hmm. Don't try to overcompensate for it Just go in and love it and then in loving it It's then it moves me into compassion and I can be like, ah, oh, he's maybe having a tough day or yeah, man He's had a tough childhood or whatever and right. I find that practice Very much with what you're saying is in doing the internal self unconditionally loving with all of it I'm finding all the external things are shifting all the the reflections Mm -hmm. are starting to shift and patterns are dissolving Totally and that's where my big shift of the expertise to genius is happening because I've had this whole life that I built Around an ego that was to feel enough Mm -hmm. and now I'm having to go. Oh wait (laughs) as I'm loving myself I'm less having to overcompensate to prove I'm enough mm-hmm. i'm just loving them enough and i'm not enough and it's okay mm. and in doing so certain things are falling away and i'm able to step more into the genius so it's a different it's a process right it's
0: a continual <laughs> process the perpetual process of evolving
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, yeah man wow this has been a pretty dense episode got a lot of jewels in here mm. and i feel intuitively that We need to stop there because I feel like there's enough to listen and re-listen and still Mm. be taking things from this conversation.
1: I agree. Yeah, there's some really good deep nuggets there.
0: Yeah. Before we sign off here, is there anything that you would like to share that you're working on that you want people to know about or maybe you could tell them how they could connect with you if they want to deepen?
1: Yeah. My website is Joshua Wenner, just J-O-S-H-U-A Wenner, W-E-N-N-E-R.com, and Men's Retreats. That's what it once a quarter I do men's retreat work and we go in the mountains and we make peace with the inner child. That's the crux of it, a safe space to do the work. And uh, soon to be women's, I'm gonna do a women's retreat once in 2019. So, but you can find out more on the website.
0: All right, thanks so much for being here. This is this week's episode of Awakening Genius with Joshua Winner, and we'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Awakening Genius and that you feel closer to embodying your full creative expression. If you like what we're doing here, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Connect with us on social media at Awakening Genius. And if you want to go deeper into anything we talked about on this episode, you can go to awakeninggenius.club. This is Dijon. Much love. Peace.